Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Concussion Talk Podcast. My name is Nick Mercer. I write Concussion Talk, www.concussiontalk.com. This is episode 15 of Concussion Talk Podcast. I'll be talking to Christine Miller. Christine is a PhD, a physical therapist, and researcher looking at how yoga improves physical functioning in people with traumatic brain injuries. Hi, I'm on the phone with Christine Miller, and I will ask her to introduce herself and talk about where she works and what she does. All right. Sure. Good morning, Nick. Uh, Thanks for talking with me a little bit this morning. My name is Christine Miller. I'm a physical therapist. I work for Indiana University in um, Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm faculty in the academic physical therapy department there. So I um, teach in the neuro rehab content for physical therapy students. I also do a lot of research um, with folks who've had stroke and brain injury. Um, I have about 27 years of clinical experience treating folks with stroke and brain injury. So that's sort of my history. Well, I'll give a lot of time about your inpatient experience a bit later on. But okay. Where, where I, I, you wrote a study that was I tweeted out a while ago. And uh, I found it very interesting because I just recently started yoga. So, and I've been applied for for a while, for four years now. But I just, mm-hmm. I just recently, recently started yoga. And, uh, but I saw the study and I would like to, could you, could you, the study is titled Visibility and Results of a Case Study of Yoga to Improve Physical Functioning in People with Chronic Traumatic Brain Injury. And it was in the Journal of Disability and Rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. So, what is a chronic traumatic brain injury? I've heard the term acute brain injury, traumatic brain injury a lot. And is there a difference? Is it just the length of symptoms? Or is that, are you talking about symptoms or are you talking about the actual injury itself? So it's really the length of time since the injury. So an acute injury is immediately after the injury. Um, Then we kind of go through a subacute phase, which is usually around three to six months, somewhere in there. And then when folks get beyond six months after the injury, they're usually considered chronic. That's just sort of that's just sort of medical termin, uh, terminology to distinguish between a new injury versus an old injury. Right. Okay. So great. So I have so I this I have a chronic chronic brain for now. And, yeah. Uh, okay. So acute is just it's just uh, I thought it was just time for so all these 
all of these patients in your study have, or have all been, are all chronic? Yes. Yeah. So they were all finished with their rehab right after the brain injury. So they were considered chronic. Yes. And about how long would you say they they were away? They've been since their brain injury. You said three months is acute. So acute, right? So so it was variable. So we had one person who was close to 20 years since the brain injury, and another person who was within just a year since the brain injury. So the chronic can be once you kind of get past that six months. Six months on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm now almost almost 13 years since my brain injury. Okay. Uh, so could you actually just describe the study, what you did, and uh, and some of the important results? Sure. So this was sort of the third in a series of studies um, that I did with. Um, uh, a coworker of mine, her name Arlene Schmidt. She's an occupational therapist. She was working at the Routabush VA Medical Center at the time, which is also where I was working at the time. And Arlene is who really started all the yoga studies. We started um, testing uh, therapeutic yoga for veterans who um, started with veterans who'd had a stroke. And so we did it started there, and then we added people that had not had a who were not veterans, so non-veterans who had had a stroke, and we had really good results with those two studies. So then the third study we did was the case series study that you referenced with folks who had a brain injury. And so in the brain injury study, we enrolled folks who had had a brain injury. They were chronic, so they had finished all their rehab. They were um, were past sort of the acute phase of, of recovery after brain injury, and we enrolled them in a in a one-on-one -on -one adapted yoga program. They met with a yoga therapist twice a week for eight weeks, so it was 16 visits, and did an adapted yoga protocol. The yoga protocol was developed really specifically to work on balance. That was sort of the big um, physical functioning area that we were most interested in, and so all the postures that we had the patients do in the yoga protocol were designed to help work on balance recovery. So participants did the yoga for 16 visits twice a week for eight weeks. Prior to starting the yoga therapy, we did a series of assessments, basically standardized um, physical rehab assessments. We did that both before and after the yoga to try and measure if there was improvement or changes in those physical performance measures. Physical performance measures we use, we use a lot of balance measures, measures that are standardized. Um, for, to measure balance in folks with brain injury. We also use walking measures, walking distance, um, walking speed measures. We also looked at things like um, activity and participation, so kind of more uh, global measures overall of how people's activity level um, is and how people's life participation is going. So we looked at those types of measures. We also screened for things like changes in anxiety and depression, um, some of those emotionally based um, issues that folks struggle with after brain injury. So it was a pretty comprehensive assessment package. So we did the assessment package both before and after the, the yoga. What we found was we found some really nice changes in um, the balance measures. We saw balance improve. We saw balance confidence improve. We also saw improvement in um, walking distance, so then how far someone could walk in a six-minute time period. Um, saw some improvements in walking speed, so just how fast someone was, the patients were um, were able to walk. Saw some improvements in flexibility. We did some just some range of motion measurements both before and after. We looked at sort of functional strength using a set-to-stand test and saw improvements in, in those 
physical performance measures, which is what we were primarily interested in looking at. Uh, that yeah, that sounds interesting. I just I wanted a question. Balance confidence is that just from interview from interviewing them after, or is that from a physical test? So balance confidence is a patient reported test. We use a standardized measure where we ask patients how confident are you. You could do a certain activity, and there's a list of 16 activities, and we ask them how confident they are they can do each activity without losing balance or becoming unsteady. And the patients give us their own confidence rating from 0% confident to 100% confident. And it's a standardized measure of balance confidence that we use in the clinic as well. Because there's some correlation between balance, confidence, and fall risk. So from a big picture perspective, we really, if we're improving balance and balance confidence, we want to be improving it enough so that we're actually minimizing fall risk for the participants. So they're at less risk for falling once they finish the program. So that's why we use the balance confidence measure. Right. No, that, that, I know that's a very important part. I know it's like from just feeling steady and feeling able to do. I know when I'm doing yoga now, I, I usually do it next to a wall. I'm doing like tree pose and those poses. I need to leave. I mean, I can, I can obviously walk and all that stuff now, but I, I need to, I just want to be able to lean it, pull my hand on the wall, have it there because my stability and that, my, my ability to catch myself, not necessarily fall, but to catch myself on my other leg. My left leg is not quick to catch myself when I fall. Sure. So that's why I, that's a very mm -hmm. important measure, I think. Yeah, well, and we do, so for the, the adapted yoga protocol. So we, the program builds very slowly. So as patients start, they do everything just in sitting. And then after a couple of weeks, we'll add some standing poses. And then after a couple of more weeks, then we'll add some supine poses. We do ask the patients to go to the floor if they feel like they can, because we'll help them get up and down from the floor. That's a good that's a good maneuver to practice if patients are willing to yeah. practice with us when we have the help there. Patients that just sometimes patients just do not want to get down on the floor. And so we do have some portable massage tables we can set up that folks can lie supine on those to do the supine poses. But we also have um, volunteers available. So in the brain injury study, that was one on one. So it was the yoga therapist with the patient. So there was always someone available to help the patient in the case series study. Um, and some of the other studies were their group interventions. And so it's a yoga therapist that's leading a group of of participants at the same time. And in those studies, we have volunteer, class volunteers available to go around and help the participants if they need help getting into a pose, if they need help moving an arm or moving a leg, or if they need someone to spot them while they're doing the standing poses. We also allow them to hold on to the back of a chair or to a countertop or a rail on the wall, sort of whatever's available in the space that we're using for safety, just like you're doing with the wall, because we want we want the participants to experience the poses and participate. We also want them to be safe. Yeah. We, we kind of have a rule in my current project, which is a group project for people with stroke and brain injury, that when we're doing some of the standing poses and we're doing, you know, trying to do forward-facing hero and some of those types of things that our class rule is we ask the participants not to let go of whatever they're holding on to until someone's standing there to spot them so that they can oh, still do the experience of the posture, but we can make sure they're safe doing it. Okay, so, so why did you pick yoga as the uh, as the case study exercise? Was that because there's research or? Sorry, that's my other phone. <laughs> no worries. Sorry about that. <laughs> no worries. Um, so we so we specifically were looking at yoga, and so again, um, 
wanted a modality that would be typical sort of in the community type of modality because we were looking, working with patients who were done with rehab and were kind of trying to engage in meaningful exercise after they'd finished structured rehab. So we wanted a, um, a modality that would be a typical community-based modality, and yoga is is available certainly in the community. Yeah. Also, we're interested in something that would specifically work on balance because balance was the big marker that we were concerned about looking at balance and fall risk and that sort of thing. And, and the postures are many postures in yoga that work on balance components. And so it was a nice fit that way. The other thing that's nice about yoga, because yoga is a, is more of a whole body practice. And so specifically we use kind of a, a Hatha yoga program, which looks at, um, breath or breathing as part of the process and then the postures and then finishes up with some sort of meditation. We, um, and we really kind of like that for folks who are recovering after some sort of, um, major injury, neurological pathology, that sort of thing. Because with breathing, we can control sort of the, we can learn to control the set of the nervous system through our breath a little bit. You know, the nervous system, we have kind of a revved up version of the nervous system and then kind of a powered down version of the nervous yeah. system. And breath is one way we can sort of control where we are on that continuum. So, and certainly folks who've had a brain injury oftentimes struggle to find a happy place on that continuum in regards to whether the nervous system is really revved up or a little more powered down. So breath is a way that folks can learn to control that themselves. And we get a, we get a lot of anecdotal reports from the participants about how much they use the breathing exercises, just various times in their day-to-day functioning. You know, I went to the dentist and I used the breathing to sort of calm myself down before the procedure I was getting ready to do a transfer and my spasticity or muscle tone was just sort of out of control. So I stopped for a minute and used the breathing to try and help everything calm down. So um, we picked it for that purpose and we get a lot of anecdotal reports that, you know, patients really appreciate that part of it. Also, breath allows folks to kind of focus and be mindful, kind of be present in the moment and appreciate their body and their current situation. And we wanted to um, help patients work through that a little bit. Cause I think that helps a little bit with healing. And then the meditation at the end. So for our meditation, for all of our classes, we've used a guided relaxation instead of an, a meditation process. We did that because early on, um, all of our studies were with veterans and many of the veterans have uh, PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder. And sometimes in a meditation process with someone who has PTSD that kind of takes them through, um, some of those realities that they struggle with. And we weren't, we weren't really staffed with psychologists and that sort of thing to manage that kind of reaction to a meditation process. And so we use the guided relaxation instead. Life is full of what ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Again, to help people kind of focus on their body and be mindful and improve body awareness and kind of relax one body component at a time. And so we just felt all of those things could be very beneficial for folks who'd had a stroke or a brain injury. And so that's... That's how we came to choose yoga as a modality. Well, that's me. answered a lot of my questions. I was going to ask you especially about focus. So I know, not so much now, but I know focus was a major issue for me and for many, both brain injury. It's mm-hmm. still a focus, but you, like you're saying, the breathing really helps you center and stay in the moment. And, and that you just really think about the, the now, which is good for, I assume that's what's really good for the focus, just breathing and being a better, for lack of a better word, calm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, so you, so you answered my question about why is it so good for people with brain injury, why yoga is so good. And uh, so my next question actually is, uh, you worked, you, you mentioned where you worked 27 years as a clinician. So, yeah. So and during your time in those 27 years, was and, or during your time in university, was there any mention of yoga or any mind-body exercise practice mentioned as a thought of a, as a way to help people people with brain injury, or is it was it just is this a more a newer type of? Yes. Interest? So my my perception is that it's it's relatively newer uh, thought process. Certainly, when I went through my initial training, you know, we talked a little bit because this was a long time ago. Talked a little bit about mind body, but it was just sort of more an introduction. There are things out there, and then here's what PTs do. So it was sort of handled in that way. That was a long time ago. In terms of within the rehab. Um, process, I would say it's been within the last, I know, so I've been doing yoga studies for about six years and probably even a few years before that when we started to hear rumblings, right, that we need to think about this kind of the more holistic approach and mind-body connection and there's started to be conversations. I think the struggle in rehab is figuring out how to work that in with the already very full rehab schedule that exists for patients because they get a lot of, you know, very traditional OTPT speech, psychology service, therapeutic recreation, depending on sort of what setting they're in. And so it's kind of trying to figure out, so how do we, um, how do we then add something else to that full, to that full menu? We did, um, 
Arlene and I, when we were at the VA, we did one study with acute inpatient rehab. We did uh, two sites, one with um, the acute inpatient rehab unit at the VA hospital and one at a local freestanding rehab hospital where we tried to implement some adapted yoga in the, during the inpatient stay of rehab. What we found when we did that, that and the piece that the patients really liked the most and we found ourselves doing the most was the breathing. So many of the patients, once they finished um, their regular therapies, they were pretty physically tired. And so the physical aspects, the postures were sometimes that was, it was too much to ask them to do that, but the breathing and the relaxation, the patients were very interested in participating in and, um, and wanted to do that part of the yoga. And so that's been a, that's been a few years ago that we did that study actually within the inpatient rehab setting. Well, actually, I think I'm just going back to stay for one for one final question about your study. Is that is it's one one to one, right? So, did, did your patients make any note of how of the importance of one to one for private sessions, or did you discern and discern any importance of that one to one ratio, or is that just happenstance? So I, I definitely think the rapport with the yoga therapist was a piece of the value to the patients, you know, because we did focus, we didn't do focus groups. We did semi-structured interviews with patients after they finished the program, asking them what was good, what was bad, what would you change, what would you keep? Cause you know, it was part of a research protocol and we, you know, we got to what we called it the Nancy factor in our uh, studies. Cause our yoga therapist who helped design the protocol and ran all of our early studies, her name was Nancy, Nancy Shaw. She's an amazing yoga therapist. And so when the patients would talk about her, right, about how fabulous she was and how encouraging and calming and soothing, just her process of teaching them and talking them through the poses. And so there was definitely, you know, again, we called it the Nancy factor cause yeah. she was our yoga therapist, but there was definitely an element of that, that the patients felt comfortable, felt secure with her, we're comfortable because sometimes when you do, especially like a guided relaxation and folks are really kind of focused and mindful and kind of scanning their body to figure out where the tight spots, where the comfortable spots for some folks that feels a little vulnerable to them. So people have to be willing to be a little bit vulnerable with the person who's leading them. And so, you know, Nancy was just, she was fabulous at help creating that kind of comfortable environment. So I definitely think rapport with the practitioner is a, is a, is a significant factor. I mean, that's one of those intangible things that's hard to specifically measure, but it seems pretty clear that it's a factor. Yeah. Yeah. I I know like my report with my applied instructors and yoga instructors, it's just been just essential, essential and PTs. It's been very important to essential, essential to my improvement and stuff. So I think that I think one to one rapport or just never one to one, which is rapport, even if it's with the group, is very important. Um, it is. It is. And rapport with the instructor and in our groups. It's rapport with the other volunteers that yeah. are helping. They have to be able to trust that person, and it's not only from the participant. In many of our Many of our participants, they don't drive themselves, so someone brings them. And so in the groups, we tell them that, you know, their transporter or caregiver is welcome to come into class and participate with them or watch or do the whatever they want to do. And it's interesting to watch when we start. Oftentimes, the the caregivers are very, um, they help. 
the person that they've brought. And then after a few weeks in, they start to trust us. And so they do yoga and let us help, you know, their spouse or sister, whoever it is they're bringing in to do the the yoga. But it takes a while to build that rapport as well. Yes, of course. Yeah. So, uh, so, uh, how long of this just like away from the study and been towards you now? How long have you have you done, have long have you been doing yoga yourself, or have you been doing it? So, so I do practice yoga. I'm not a yoga instructor, but I do practice yoga. So I've been doing that for about probably six or seven years. About the time I started working on the studies with Arlene. And you do the one happy yoga, the breathing. That's is that what yeah, I do, you do something very similar. Yep. Okay, so you had some familiar. Did you participate in the poem? Did you participate with the uh, with the other participants in the study when you were there, or did you were just observe the class? So, so I was usually I was usually working when I was there with the patients. I was usually one of the helpers, either helping right. helping them move in and out of postures, because we have found that particularly with folks who have some sort of physical disability after brain injury or stroke that. Um, like when they get ready to transition to the floor, that's really when you, you having a therapist in the room is very helpful to kind of kind of go person to person and help figure out how's the safest way to do this for each person. And sometimes um, even figuring out how to adapt a posture for a patient who they have a particular challenge or difficulty that doesn't allow them to do the posture how we would normally do it. And we have to figure out an adapted version or a way to work on the same muscle group, but in a different way. And so the, so the therapist uh, still play a little bit of a role in helping figure those things out and helping the yoga therapist figure out how to make those kind of adaptations. Right. Okay. Well, that again, that's my issue. My, my final question is that you mentioned before you you're doing a study at the uh, the YMCA of stroke and brain injury patients. Mm-hmm. And so, would you like to talk? Could you tell us what that study, what that study is at your current study? That's the current study. Yeah. So we're kind of in phase two of a pilot study there, and so we really took the yoga protocol that we developed for the. Um, the studies that we did in the research laboratory, and we tried to implement that in a more real-world setting or actually in the community at the YMCA. And so we uh, transitioned the leadership to the YMCA yoga instructor. So we used Nancy, our research yoga therapist, and she helped sort of train the YMCA yoga instructor. And then we recruited from the rehab clinics in the community. So when folks are done with rehab and you're looking for a, a a good exercise outlet for them, consider referring them to our adapted yoga protocol at the Y and we've gotten really good response from the clinicians. And so when patients finish their rehab, they're making referrals and the patients come in a similar setup. We do an assessment, they do the yoga and then we do an assessment afterwards. We have tweaked the protocol a little bit between phase one and phase two. The protocol is now once a week for 12 weeks. We made that adaptation because what we heard from the kind of the fitness center instructors and the Y yoga instructors is that the more typical pattern in that setting is a once a week class versus a twice a week class. So we made that adaptation for phase two. And and we're so we've got our first set of data in looking if we still have efficacy with 12 visits once a week for 12 weeks. And it looks pretty good. We're still seeing some nice improvements and balance in the walking measures. So with the other piece of this study is then trying to help patients connect for ongoing um, 
activity at the Y or some sort of fitness center so that we can engage them more long-term and meaningful physical activity. And so we're trying to, so with phase two, they do the initial rehab class and then they continue in a maintenance class. And through that maintenance class, we're trying to help um, understand how patients can transition either into a different class at the Y to continue long-term or if there are other classes we need to develop that are adapted so folks have some, have an outlet for safe and effective exercise. Uh, that's, that, that's great. I see it very, have you, have you heard of loveyourbrain.com? Love your brain. No. It's uh, Kevin Pierce. He's a snowboarder, was a snowboarder for in the U.S. In the US and uh, huh? he was training for the, uh, for the 2010 Winter Olympics, and he was severely brain injured, just two months, not even two months before before it happened. So he was, and he was in a coma for a while, and he actually had a very similar story to, to my lady type in the time of coma, and uh, his issues with balance. And he's, Lovey Brain has promoted uh, yoga practices for mindfulness and for for balance, uh, and during, well, especially during March Brain Injury Month in the U.S. And actually, Brain Injury Month in Canada is in, is now in June, huh? and uh, my provincial association, we are we're trying to we're encouraging people to go to to go to a local yoga studio and get them to sign up or or Pilates studio, mind body mm-hmm. studio, some mind body exercise studio, to to go there and to to take to hopefully get them to sign up to get the yoga studios and Pilates studios to sign up for a, a a, a brain, a love your brain, NL, NL as we call it, and get them. To, so we're trying to encourage that this type of mind-body activity for for pe- everybody in general and for people with brain injury. Mm-hmm. That's great. You, yeah. Yeah. So we're doing that now, and uh, so that's a little, little plug for me for for the, not for me for the Newfoundland Newfoundland Labrador Brain Association. But um, this is a great talk, and thank you so much. I learned so much about how bringing your research, but but how yoga helps and reading out the research about how yoga helps people with brain injury and how mind-body awareness is very important for it. So thank you very much. All right. Thank you very much. My pleasure talking with you. And good luck on the yoga awareness brain, or yoga for brain injury awareness. I hope you get lots of people signed up. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much. All right. I would like to thank Christine again for talking to me about her very interesting research. But I'd also like to apologize for the audio quality at the beginning of this interview. I actually left my microphone up, and you can hear when I put it down, so I apologize for that. And also, please visit nlba.ca, especially if you're in St. John's or in Newfoundland at all, www.nlba.ca to find yoga classes and yoga studios who are participating in this Love Your Brain NL Month, Brain Injury Awareness Month. Thank you, everyone, for listening. As always, the music of being at this podcast is by Ben Sound, www.bensound.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.